welcome to episode 15 of Winging It. When does Parish like to pull the plug? That's a bit of a debate we'll get into later. Um, this week... Is there a punchline? <laughs> no, no punchline. Serious podcast this, mate. Oh, I was oh. going to say, we'll see the, the joke is on <laughs> Sunday when we kick off. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a joke as well. That is the voice of Sam Heskiff, who returns to us after a week hiatus, doing an Albert. Doing an Albert, I'm back. Um, great to be back, obviously, with you. Two. How was it in the land of Gabor Karai? Great. Um, I think you mentioned it on last week's pod. Like Vanessa, my wife, took loads of photos of all the amazing architecture and views from the castle and all that. And my camera reel is like Karali Street. <laughs> Palace Hotel, something with 1905 written in it. Like, that's they're the only photos I took. Um, <laughs> so it was good. Which you went and crossed out and put 1861, I 18, Yeah, yeah. Just to, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure it was authentic. And Albert, you was keen to point out that he, in fact, was not doing an Albert because if he was, he would have taken his laptop and recorded. How many shot Exactly. How many, how many, how many holidays have I been on this series? <laughs> Two. How many episodes have I missed due to holidays? Zero. Exactly. Oh. Thank you very much. That's a much easier maths question than the one we were looking at earlier. Um, um, living in the land of Watford, you saw something wonderful the other day. You shared the picture in the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, little trip down to Costco's. Um, very busy. Getting up to Christmas, there's almost nowhere to park. Um, but whilst in the um, in the chilled section, there was a, a um a slightly elderly gentleman in a wheelchair, which obviously isn't funny. But he had big old Watford FC, what can only be described as hubcaps, <laughs> spinners, spinners. Um, and I did what any any respectful human being would do, and is, and I tried, to, I took a sneaky picture of him. Oh, I was going to say, did you try and rob them? Of him. No, 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 no. All right. Did he did, did ask him, him where he bought them? What, like rob his wheels? What like put him up on bricks like a car? That would have been outrageous. <laughs> well, they're spit. They're hubcaps. They're not the actual wheels, are they? Well, I'm pretty, yeah. Well, well I, I didn't stuck, go stuck into on, how they were attached. Sorry, mate. Your you motor. Just, just look that way for a minute. Um, I, I, I imagine they were attached like a uh, old. You know, you used to get in cereals that you'd attach the spokes of your bike, <laughs> yeah. like a, rat, a rattler. Or <laughs> the ones that had, like, you know, the reflective lights for safety. Yeah. I mean, I I'm looking at the I just, now. I just thought that you would have put them on the Deanimerville. That's what you call it, isn't it, your car? <laughs> no, thank <laughs> you. Right. Anyway, look, I've got a bit of a dilemma here, lads. And it's why I've been putting off beer check. In setting up, I put my beer within reach, closed in the can. And then knocked it off the side, so it bounced around a bit. <laughs> and I'm kind of scared to open it. You've only got one choice. Give it the old um, tap on the top. Just open it. Oh, dearie me. Please don't. Oh, it's fine. We're fine. I gave it long fine. enough. Um, this week, I've got something from the Amundsen Brewery. Never heard of it. It's called Night Slayer. It's a Christmas pun. We're approaching December. Got a big old dent in it. Yeah. And the can is some sort of what would you describe that? 
a That's monster like a zomb- Santa zomb- Claus. Zombie Santa or something. Yeah. And yeah, he's the night slayer. What what flavour is it? Um, Does it have blurb? It's, it's a double IPA. There is no blurb. It just says beer. Great. <laughs> I mean, that's Good. really all it says. Beer. Um, Do not drop. Albert, I was going to say, Albert, what are you drinking? Beer. Uh, Moretti. This is 7.5%. Oh, Moretti bros. Oh. Moretti friends. Well, let's get it. Yeah, it's coming out, coming out nicely. I'm trying to do some ASMR on the pool. See that? It's, see that? It's come out nicely. It hasn't stayed in the can like the other right. ones. It's come out nice. It's come out nicely. Oof, that is good. Oh, that's that has gone into the glass. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that has gone down my throat. A treat. Mm. Hold, it up, hold, hold <laughs> it up again. Hold it up again, Terence. It's like Terence in a glass. I would say. What, strawberry blonde? Yeah. <laughs> and goes down the throat easily. <laughs> I am not strawberry blonde. I am ginger. Um, I need this beer, to be honest, after solving Albert's son's algebra problems. <laughs> what was it? What was it you shared in the group chat? Oh. Get, get your pens ready, listeners. You can write it down. Don't Google it, because apparently... It's just there to solve. <laughs> well, maybe we can post it, post it on the thing. Mm. But the question, the question was: bearing in mind, he's nine, I'm thirty-nine. <laughs> we were both just as clueless as each other. Gary and Henry brought an equal amount of money for shopping. Gary spent ninety-five pounds, and Henry spent three hundred and fifty pounds. Henry had four sevenths of what Gary had left. How much money? Did Gary have left after shopping? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I did solve it. Yeah. Quite, we, we, know why, we, we all know why you fucking brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was quite funny because then I my wife solved it, but using like proper algebra. And I was just like, I don't know what you're doing there. This is how I did it. And it blew her mind. <laughs> how i did it but yeah so if anyone wants to tweet in email in let 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 us know your answer i'm winging winging it cpfc at gmail.com email us your answers to be fair i just googled it Mm. but then i don't have a nine-year-old son asking me is this right because i wouldn't have a clue yeah it was it was a it was a it was a tough half hour and it's the last thing I needed after I got home from work. I'll be honest. So, Albert, if somehow your profession leads into some sort of crossover and you become famous, would you mm. be tempted by Are You Smarter Than an Eight Year Old? What is that? TV show where adults go against kids <laughs> and are asked questions like that. Well, I don't think that maths question is suitable for a nine year old. So, I, do you know what I mean? I don't think that's fair. Huh. I, thought, I mean, I if they're asking it, they must be able to do it. He's just well, not been he, listening in class. He wasn't. He wasn't able to do it. <laughs> well, send him my way. I'll, I'll, I'll teach him the ways. Fair enough. C- careful. <laughs> he'll come. He'll come back talking about double IPAs and 
seven hop. If the knights, if the knight slayer is an Idaho seven eight percent, <laughs> and Gary has a sip, is Gary a twat? That's all. That's all. I don't need Google for that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. <laughs> if Tyrick Mitchell is caught in no man's land in the middle of the pitch, and the ball comes down the right hand side and gets crossed in. Does anybody clear it? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, let's get into it. So, oh, I, I did. Uh, I kind of um denied about putting this in, but I feel like it's it would be completely remiss of us not to mention that Terry Venables has passed away. Um, I you, thanks to Euro ninety six. But short of that, I don't, this is why I didn't want to talk about it because I don't really have anything good to say. So I didn't want to be disrespectful. But it is a Palace podcast, and he's you know a major part in the, you know a history throughout the seventies and eighties, and then coming back in the mid to late nineties. So got any, anything you want to add, guys? I mean, well, I mean, I don't care about international football, so I can't even say Euro ninety six. Mm. Uh, but we did mention before recording, we did mention the 5-1 win at home to Norwich, which I think every Nicky Rizzo-loving Palace fan will remember. Mm. So I'll that just mention that. Yeah. It was all like six forward players on the pitch or something. Just Janssen, Churchich, Lombardo, yeah. Rizzo. Mateus Svensson. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So RIP Terry Venables. Um, I mean, we're going to go straight into Luton. <laughs> I did enjoy listening back to Carl saying, talking about his model and where we're going to finish in the league. And he did say, when when we lose to Luton. <laughs> very, very Heskiffy vibes. Yeah, I was glad someone said it in my absence because I definitely would have predicted a defeat. Mm. I mean, our record there is awful as well. Um but it was it was my first trip to Kenilworth Road. It lived up to the hype of being an absolute dive. <laughs> like people tell you that you're going to walk basically through someone's front door and the ground is in their back gardens, but nothing can really prepare you until <laughs> you're actually there and actually see. Holy shit! Those people's back gardens end. It's the wall of the away end. It's like yeah. ludicrous. And I would say shout out whichever house it was when you come down the sort of corrugated steps out of the stand had attached to the back of the house the biggest satellite dish I've ever seen in my life. And I'm amazed that it's still there. You would have think someone would have tried to like hang off it or something at, at one stage, but hmm. it, it does look like it's been there since, you know, the moon landing. So maybe that's why it's got its longevity. And, and on the other side, so just someone's shed. So now, now in the Premier League, now they're in the Premier League. It's going to be certain, and it's a very hard. You've got to be, you know, as we discussed previously, ten thousand four hundred parish points to get in for Palace fans. If you lived in those houses, you can earn a nice little pound note letting people climb out your back window. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and it's unreserved seating, so no one's going to care where your seats are. The stewards did not care anyway if people were in seats or not. Just let them roam free. 
that's that's not going to last long for them in the Premier League. Health and safety is going to come and tell them right off. They'd slot into the Palace defence, wouldn't they? Then those <laughs> <laughs> go where you want. They, yeah, they were basically. I know that famous sort of meme of the steward patting people down and not even touching yeah. them. <laughs> That's basically what it was like. Um, which was, you know, kind of like how our defence played, weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pauline. Where, where, whereabouts were you uh, standing? I was um, to the left. So if you're looking at the goal, to the left towards the corner flag. Um you know, where most of the trouble came from for that goal. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great, yes. Well, I, th- I think we had that second goal covered then because you saw where it came from and I was directly <laughs> in line with their guy running past all of our team to score. Well, it's good to know. Well, it's not good to know, but, you know, basically between me and you was a humongous bollard that I could not see past that blocked most of the goal, to be honest. Great. Great. Mm. How did the performance feel in general from the stands? I obviously watched it on TV. Do you know? Do you know it was weird? Like, obviously that the majority of the performance was was shit and we lost. But like the first fifteen minutes or so, fuck it. Like we could have been like two or three up. We were like they could not handle us. Mm. We we're pinging the ball around, running into space, making these like we'd obviously done work on like little one-touch triangles and then spinning round and that sort of thing. Edouard was holding the ball up well. Schlupp was making runs down the wing. And at least they had a chance in the first minute. And then their keeper made a great sort of double save. Mm. And you sort of forget it because, like, we were... I mean, honestly, it was the best we'd played in a while. And then it just sort of fizzled out and became the sort of game that Luton would want. You know, got a bit... Yeah fiddly and like their fans got louder and louder and louder real disappointment i was nursing a horrendous hangover and had tried to further nurse it by drinking several pints before the game <laughs> so i couldn't even something must have happened tactically i just was not in any brain space to be able to work out what happened but they must have made a change to their shape a little bit because it just it the the change was dramatic in what happened from the first fifteen twenty minutes to the rest of the game. Yeah, um, I would like to just interject with you saying that um, to remind yourselves and, and Albert and to tell the listeners the text that we got off you in the chat the day bef- the night before, <laughs> which started off with a picture, continued with <laughs> Ian's and Ian's and Brighton or something. Before I could ask who Ian was, you corrected to say, I am. And then you said St. Panks, P-A-N-X, at 11. So fine, that's great. The next morning, <laughs> immediately, the, the first thing I I got was a text from you going, not St. Panks at 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not at St. Pancras at 11. No, I was... You know, there was. I went to a gig in Brighton, and it's one of those venues that turned into a nightclub after. So the acts are on, like, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes earlier. So we were out of there by like 9.30. And instead of just getting on a train home, we went out in Brighton. <laughs> we did not get on a train home. <laughs> yes. Uh, had some wanky beers in some nice pub. And uh, yeah, that was that. Pro- probably should have stayed there after what I was say. ended up seeing the next day. Mm. 
And it's like an awkward walk from the station as well at Luton. You get there and it's like sort of 20 to 25 minutes. You don't really know where you're going. The police are then halfway down a road that you shouldn't be walking down telling you, no, you've got to go back down and walk around. Like, Why aren't you at the end of the road telling people that? Arseholes. But yeah. That was it. <laughs> we noticed that as well. Like I've been there before, but fucking like almost 20 years ago, I think now. And I looked at the map and I was like, on the map, on my phone, it's basically a straight line. But when we were walking it, I'm like, it, it don't feel like a straight line. I went over some little bridge and was like, we need to go back down on the other side. Then we sort of started following Luton fans who we went down near a car wash. And I was like, well, I don't know. Let's just follow them. And eventually, unfortunately, we got to the ground. <coughs> um, but yeah, to circle back to you there, Albert, like the second half especially... Obviously, the injuries didn't help. Eze going off, Czech going off pretty soon after. It then did become like we, you know, we, we just didn't put anything together really until after we let a goal in. And it sort of feels a little bit like, you know, how we were with Wilf when it's like, fuck it, just give the ball to Wilf. But with Elise. And to be fair to Elise, he did say, fuck it, I'll score then and scored an absolute banger. I mean, I mean, we had a couple of chances. He'd have said that a couple more times. That would have been good, though. Yeah. Well, he he, he had had a decent header. I will say, so he had had a decent header that went just over the bar. And a big shout-out to Jefferson Lerma, who started the move off at (laughs) centre-back and then somehow ended up on the left wing and whipped in an absolutely, like... Peach of a cross. An absolute peach of a cross. Um, Mm. But, yeah, it just seemed, like I said, it was more... As the game went on, it was more and more the sort of looting... The game Luton wanted, you know, they worked pretty hard. They looked all right. Obviously helped out by our kamikaze defending. Um, the crowd was pretty pretty loud towards the end there. And it just felt like, yeah, when you think about how we started off the game, it's just like such a massive drop-off, like Terence said, and just a really shitty result. Do you know what <clears throat> is fun is that coming back from several months out and having a short cameo the weekend before, put him out there for 110 minutes yeah. <laughs> and have everything going for him late into the game. Yeah. yeah. Like that one. I, like, I know other injuries happen in the game and we'll talk, we'll talk more about them in context of when we get into playing West Ham next week. It just couldn't have been a worse day. You know, shit result go down in history books to them as their first Premier League win. Two of our best players get injured. <laughs> and, you know, Eze coming out and saying, I'll be all right. Didn't realise that was going to translate to a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and six months. For, well, Decore just knew instantly. <clears throat> yep. Because Luton players were waving to the bench straight away. Like, you knew that he was fucked. Yeah. Um, so, not ideal. But Like, when, when a player goes down, not in a tackle... And he's sort mm. of like waving his hand and then holding his face. And like you say, the opposition players are waving him on. Just yeah. the groan throughout like our part of the stadium was pretty loud, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Big it was obvious. Well, I'd, um, I'd, that's actually because obviously I haven't watched back any of the highlights because I wasn't interested in it. But that big bollard that I was talking about, I thought there had been a tackle on him. I didn't realise there hadn't. Like I'd because it all happened behind yeah. this bollard, and then all of a sudden the Corey's laying on the floor, 
And I was just like, what's happened there? And then... Yeah. Screaming for a red card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. Get off, off. <laughs> He's run straight into that fucking bollard and it's ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is bollard the right word? I don't know. What, what am I supposed to be calling it? I don't know what it is. Like a pole. Pole in the half. Pole in the half. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely, lovely callback. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Defensive errors. When did when did our defense turn to pot? Albert, with it's, Roy's always building it on a nice solid defense, and you know it looks. We were all talking about prior to which game was it? Everton mm-hmm. or the game before that? Talking about our defensive record being up there, and only City and had conceded fewer goals. And I mean, I, I'm not. We didn't put the curse on it. It weren't us. Like we're just talking about stats. <laughs> we we <laughs> definitely didn't jinx it. But yeah, I mean, it's gone to pot, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, you know, you know, we're 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 a football podcast focused on Crystal Palace. You know, we we deal in cliches, and you know, you ask any, you listen to any football pundit on talk sport, whatever. You know, they start talking about Roy Hodgson. They say, well, you know, knows how to organise a defence. Teams don't ship a lot of goals. You know, tick tick tick. And you know, yeah, I, I was sat here saying it before the Everton game. You know, Everton prior to playing us were, were tucking goals away, particularly away from home. And, you you know, we sit here and we say, well, you know, I don't think we won't ship many goals. You know, we might we hopefully nick it 2-1 or 1-0 or whatever. But, um, you know, we, we've, we've conceded a, an extraordinarily high number of goals in the last two games against opposition that, you know, Listen, you go away to Man City or Liverpool, or and you ship three goals or two goals. Yeah, fair enough. But you know, I mean, so, so momentous was Luton's first Premier League victory against us that it was fucking first on match of the day. <laughs> you know that that that's, that that tells you everything you need to know about how big we are. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it, and it's not necessarily the you know it goes a bit deeper. It's not necessarily the the amount of goals that we've conceded. Um, in the last two games, it's the it's the it's the weakness of those goals and the yeah. the way that we've conceded them. That's again, like if if that Alise goal gets scored against us, you know we all we all clap the opposition player and fucking hell, that's a great goal goal of the season sort of thing. But the the goals that we're conceding in very in the recent games are are worryingly uncharacteristic for us and particularly for a Roy Hodgson side. Um, I mean that second goal is an absolute fucking car crash, you know. The, the first and, and the first one's not much better, you know, at Kenilworth Road. Well, especially that's the first corner we've conceded from this season, isn't it? Mm. it was a corner. It was a corner, wasn't it? I'm not yeah, it was a corner. Was, yeah. yeah. So first corner we've conceded from. Yoa forgets how to defend out of the blue <laughs> by just you know allowing other, what he's doing as a, as a goalkeeper in my time. Even I can't stick up for the pretty boy. <laughs> I got I, you, you, that's just shocking. Um, yeah, really, just bad day at the office for everyone, and a few more of them creeping in. But before we get more into these bad days at the office, <clears throat> Elise has obviously scored a ridiculous goal. Picked the ball up in his own half, run it all the way down, cut inside, bent it in the far top corner with a plum. Just an absolutely ridiculous goal but can it be goal of the season 
I mean, it probably is. I doubt we'll score a better goal. But can you score a goal a season in a loss? Since we've been promoted back to the Premier League, I have a full-time job, so I haven't gone back further. This is like working out just before the pod. So I only worked out going back to the start of the Premier League. None of our goal of seasons have been in a loss. And I think rightly so. You can't score a goal a season in a loss. I remember pressing away, losing 4-3. And Owen Garvin just thunderbasted one on the half volley from 40 yards into the top, goal, the top corner. No one ever talks about it. No one knows the goal exists. Nothing. It's one of the most ridiculous goals you'll ever see and was definitely goal of the season that season. Rightly so, forgotten because it was in a loss. Or not forgotten by me. <laughs> he probably tweeted about it though, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> this goal will be here longer than you. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It's it. I don't, well, listen, goal of the seat, you know, not to get too philosophical about it, you know, is it... Is it the is it the quality of the goal? Is it the significance of the goal? Is it a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B? Mm. Um, well, let's we we can do it right. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Sorry, we've got ten goals of the season since we got promoted. Back Get and forth, Jesus back at back and forth. We're going to go. You can name whatever ones you want. Let's we'll see, we'll see if we get there. So who's going we, first? I'll tell you, we're not going to get there. Albert, you can go first. Pick a goal of the season. Okay. I don't need the season. I just need the goal, and I'll I'll, I'll allow you that. Now, considering one of them is Premier League goal of the season, and one of them won Premier League goal of the month, there should be yeah. gimmies at the start. Yeah, I'm just I'm just working out. I'm just trying to line them up in my head, ones that I'm I'm confident going with. So I'll take the low hanging fruit, Andrews Townsend, Manchester City. Well Boo. done. Um, did I don't know if it won goal of the season. Wilf against Norwich last year. Yeah, last that, year? so yeah. those are the two okay, proper low hanging fruits because that won Premier League goal of the month. Okay, so, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I've got. Two for the same season. Um, yeah, two for the same season. I'm going to say Stuart O'Keefe, Sunderland. Oh, was nominated, did not win. Oh, was it Dwight Gay or Villa? Yeah, I'll give you that. Oh. Oh. Fuck. I'll give you that. Because you said it was from the same season, I'll give you it. But yeah, Dwight Gale against Villa, rightly so. so. That is a bit from column A and column B. It's an incredible goal and it's a last minute winner away from home in a, yeah. in that season as well. Like the it feels, it feels like, it feels like a dirty point, but for the yeah. sake of entertainment, <laughs> let's carry on. Um, that was going to be my next one. Did Eze get a goal of the season in the COVID year? He did. Yes. Was it against, against Sheffield United? That's right. When he run from his own half and, yeah, one. He scored a few goals that season that were robbed of not being in front been, of the yeah. crowd. Free kick against Leeds in off the underside of the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Congratulations. So we're doing. I've well. got four of the six so far. So still missing last season. Wasn't last season Wilf? No, it was the season before. Oh, that was the season before, wasn't it? Mm. Um, ooh. Mm. Oh, he's got one. Uh, Albert, I might go on, Albert. It's your turn. <laughs> He's in the tank. He's deep in the tank. <laughs> yeah. See, all the all the ones that I was contemplating have gone. 
So, so there, I, I would say on of these, th- three of them are pretty iconic goals. Ah, now that you've said that, are is more than one of them? And I, this might be helping Albert. Free kicks. Uh, we've got two, three, two free kicks in there. Okay, I think I know which they are. Two yeah. free kicks. Oh, yeah, one of the ones I was mulling over, but again, I'm sure that was the first season. No, it's say. not. It's definitely the second season. No, what, say what, it. What, yeah, what, it's okay, okay. So what you're thinking was, of is right, surely. I'm thinking of Yedinak against Liverpool. Correct, yeah. second season, well yeah. done. <laughs> so then, was last season's Michael Elise against Man U? Correct. I should remember that, because that was on my birthday. So how many left? We've got four left, Um, and I would say one of them, two of them are probably quite forgettable. Two of them are iconic, massive goals. Like ones like in terms of the club and where we were at that stage was a humongous goal. Oh, um. and then one of them is just an absolute ridiculous goal, like a ridiculous goal. And they're premier, and they and they're all league goals, right? All league goals. I'm only looking at league goals. Yeah. You know, the one of the thing is, I could probably think of more goal of the season scored against us. So that I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> is one of them? Is one of them? This is gamble. Is one of them? Um, Punching versus yeah, Norwich. Yeah, there it is. 15, yeah. 16, punching <laughs> against Norwich. <laughs> Shit. Three, to, three to go. Um, I'm trying to think. What, I can't even think what. So we've got now. 16, 17, 17, 18, and 19, 20 are your seasons. Um, one of the players who's at 19, 20, still at the club. Who the fuck stood at the club? <laughs> Roy Hodgson? Nineteen twenty. Nineteen twenty isn't that long ago, is it? Oh. I mean, it is a ridiculous goal. Oh, oh! It's not my turn. It's not yeah, your turn. If he comes up with a blank in like twenty seconds, still, then we'll um, we'll pass it over. It'll, it'll get a ridiculous goal. Yeah, Joe Ward. <laughs> No. No. Albert, you can go. Go on, Albert. No, I was going to say Joel Ward against Chelsea. No, that's that was uh, for starters. That's, yeah, 15, 15, 16. 16, 16, yeah. So uh, when we're doing well at the start, yeah. 19, 20. Go on, you can go. It was Jordan Ayew, wasn't it? Jordan Ayew. Jordan Ayew. The fucking pirouette against West Ham. The birthday cake goal. (laughs) Oh, it's only football. (laughs) Nice nice segue into this weekend's game. Right, so these two goals in 16, 17, 17, 18 are largely forgettable. Now, the clue I'll give you, and it's one of the seasons, the goal that should have won it, probably, was Wilf against Hull, which was the day you got married, Heskiff. Yes, it was. Slapped it. When he absolutely thunderbarsted it into yeah, the top that, corner. <clears throat> that was a banger. Of course. I'm like... 
that's for saying Thunder Bastard twice in one episode. Bastard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, and and that's the eight percent, seven point four percent beer kicking. It's lovely. It is lovely. I know I said it once. It is lovely. <laughs> but okay, one of them doubled up as gold. He, he got two gold a season, so he's already had one, and it was against Man City. Oh, uh, I know. So Andrews Townsend, your boy, free kick. Oh. No. Townsend against oh, it was against West Brom was it yeah there you when go he runs the was the <laughs> other one wait 17-18 yep was it Luca? he's in he's got it well done I was like it Luca. he fucking had those seasons where he scored a million goals yeah can so you pick the goal can you remember what it was it wasn't the Southampton one, was it? It in was the, the Southampton one in the rain. Yeah, that Late was a winter. great goal. Yeah, after he'd missed the after he'd missed the penalty against Man City two days you, before, away, right? You guys were so down on yourselves, thinking you wouldn't get the ten, and you got them all. So well done. Um, now g- goals against Palace, Giroud <laughs> Scorpion kick, Fulham, <laughs> Defoe, both of them, Kasami and Sidwell, <laughs> Deli Ali. <laughs> It's so easy Andy, when it's against Andy, us. Andy Carroll. <laughs> yeah. That other shit-out striker West Ham had who didn't score any goals except from a bicycle kick against us. Oh, fucking hell. What's his name? Haller. Then he went somewhere. He went Ajax, scored loads of goals, and then went no, Dortmund, but then went got Dortmund, testicular yeah. cancer, <clears throat> didn't he? Yeah. Correct. Um, there's got to be some more in there. Oh, uh, Matty Phillips. Yes. Uh, oh, when we goal. beat... <laughs> We, we were three three away, we That's a fucking good goal, that. That was a great goal. Mm. When Zaha smashed into the post at the back post when he scored. Um, yes. Bournemouth, Bournemouth scored a good goal. Was it Lerma that scored it, was it? When we, it was Lerma. Absolutely. Sort of ran for and just hoofed it. It just punted it in the top corner and off the post. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. way easier. It's way easier for me to remember goals who let in. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your what do you think? Yes or no? Can goal of the season be in a defeat? Well, I reckon yes. goal of the season is Joa's um, slide tackled nutmeg at, Bre- at Brentford. So, <laughs> uh, you're saying, but you happy for it to be goal of the season? <clears throat> I mean, you just take, you just very, take it. Very on... harsh if that doesn't win goal of the season. What, Yo is then... slide tackle nutmeg? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Elise is well well capable of topping it somehow. So let's hope that he does it again in a win or a draw. Yeah. I'll just take it in a draw. And before, yeah, look, before we move on, even in that defeat, Michael Elise is fucking incredible. He's so good. He... <laughs> He's faultless. Like his first touch is faultless every single time, regardless of how the ball's been pinged to him, how many defenders he's got around him, what part of the pitch he's in. He's just absolutely faultless. And it's it is the the key to his game mm-hmm. is that he's got the ball on a string straight away. It and reminds he, it, me <clears throat> sorry, go on. No, go, carry on. Go I was on. gonna say it reminds me of a, a couple of times we've seen him play at Palace when we played against Riyad Mahrez and he just mm. like he just it just kills it dead it's fl- like he looks so effortless and it's the same with Elise it like it's almost like he's not even thinking about it and he's already mm. like I know how I'm going to beat the guy because I've already controlled it even when it's in the air yeah. he's so good man 
Yeah, he really is. I don't, I don't think he goes beyond this season at Palace. I really don't. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously want to keep hold of him, and maybe we can convince him to stay for one more year. But particularly if all is said and done, we're just twelfth, thirteenth, eleventh in the league again, and someone comes knocking, which they will do based on yeah. performances like that and goals like that, they will come knocking. <sighs> hey, look. Um, 100 million, please. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Well, more based on what some people have been going for. But, you know, one of the one of the hopes, not the hopes, is that if we were going to keep people and so on, is that the way we keep the money ticking over this year would be Decore and Anderson being sold at the end of the season and making a good odd hundred plus million from those two combined. But obviously Decore ain't going anywhere now. He's I was going to say, the, the Luton game's fucked us a couple of different ways there. If they see yeah. Joe is defending and then yeah. Sheck's injury. Yeah, well, you, exactly. You add it into defending at Newcastle as well. That was the game where it all went to pot. <laughs> it was Newcastle. So, yeah. Can't play for him yet, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so next is when, when it's the title of the episode, when does Parish like to pull the plug? It's getting to that stage now where we, we've seen the first articles in the newspapers talking, that Hodge, talking about Hodgson being in trouble. So I went and did some analysis into when we like to get rid of managers or when specifically Steve Parish's like to get rid of managers. And... From what I can work out, he sort of goes on a rolling 10-game basis is what they're looking at. And he, he, he sort of let this off in the um, Gary Lineker podcast. The rest is football. The rest is football. I remembered it. Go on. Go on the brain. Uh, where he he talks about picking up three wins in 10 is what he talks about in that game. He says, if you've got a manager who pick up three wins in 10, which is what Hodgson can do, that will keep you safe in the Premier League. So obviously mm. that target is between sort of, I imagine, 9, 10, 11 points per 10-game period and you'll be fine. So first manager that Steve Parrish had to sack? George Burley. Yay, very good. He had 11 points from 10 games, but we were in the championship and we did get pumped 3-0 at Millwall. <laughs> and it was, you know, it, it was the right decision at the time. In Holloway, three points in 10 games. Obviously, a big struggle getting promoted to the Premier League. Didn't sign the right players, all, all of that sort of jazz. So, but three points in 10 games is going to get anyone sacked pretty much. Mm-hmm. Neil Warnock, seven points from 10 games. Alan Pardew, four points in 10 games. Vieira, five points in 10 games. Hmm. So, Hodgson is currently at 11 points from the last 10 games. So that was good enough for Burley, but it was it's not been good enough for Roy in the past. Roy has been in that position in the past. It's it's not been a an issue for him. However, Roy's only twice in his Palace career been lower in a than eleven points in a stretch period of time. So he's had nine points a few times, but we've established that that's fine. Mm-hmm. And he's had seven points for about five games running, which was post COVID. So when we came back and then we lost everything, oh, we beat, yeah. beat Bournemouth, lost everything. <laughs> but as soon as it started to get a bit dire, we then pinned some results together. It didn't matter. And then the, um, 
in his second season as well, he was on five points from his last 10 games or one game. And then we beat Leicester and beat Man City and never looked back. So Hodgson's never been in a predicament where he's less than that nine points. So you look at our run of fixtures coming up. We've got West Ham next. If you put that down as a loss, Mm -hmm. it goes down to eight points. Then we have Bournemouth, which you've got Bournemouth at home, you've got to put down as a win. If uh, So put it as a win, we go back up to 11 points, but then comes his dilemma of Liverpool, Man City, Brighton, back to back to back oh, to back. Jesus Christ. And Brighton, if we lose all three of them, it'd be six points by the time we lose to Brighton from the last 10 games, which Vieira, five points from his last 10 games, lost to Brighton, and he went. So... Is that Hodgson's sort of line in the sand moment where it's going to be, you know, they give up on him there and then? Because then you've got the free hit at Chelsea after, although Chelsea maybe aren't a free hit these days, like because you probably want to beat them because they're in and around us. And then you get Brentford, Arsenal, Sheffield United in the next three. So you sort of give Paddy McCarthy's one game before we bring a manager in. Or... You've got it all planned out. Or... <laughs> are we going to end up in a position where we're going to get pushed into a decision quicker if we don't want to lose out? Now, obviously, fans wrote in last week asking Carl questions about seeing Lopetegui around the stadium at Palace Games and so on. And it's come out today that Forrest are closer getting rid of Cooper, who we've also had eyes on in the past. However, Forrest's ideal replacement apparently is Lopetegui. So... Does our hand get forced a bit earlier into making a decision? So, Albert, I'll start with you. How do you, how do you feel? Were you surprised that you started to see articles questioning that whether Hodgson would stay in the job? Do you think it's too premature? Or how, how do you feel about talk of him being sacked? Well, you know, it's it's amazing you know, how long what weeks difference can make in football. You know, we sat here last week and we've, you know, we've sort of touched on it in weeks before that, you know, it's not dire at the moment, you know, and the parish on the rest is football saying, you know, what, you know, all this talk of next level and Roy question what the next level is and are we ambitious enough? Are we sort of flamboyant enough? And, and, you know, and the reality is, you know, hand on heart, hand on heart. And obviously this is, no one's got a crystal ball. If we, if we did, if we did stick with Roy to the end of the season, I do find it. I do. I wouldn't put any money on us being relegated. That's not to say it would be a great season. It's not to say we might not finish fourth, fifth, bottom. Um, but I don't think we'd go down. That's that's the peg that I'm hanging my hat on. So you go well. A very nice winging it hat, by the way. A very nice winging it hat. <laughs> um, yeah. So you go well. For me, I go well. Okay, it's a, another season potentially treading water with the you know the, the good players that we've got, the two centre halves we've got, the Kure, Elise, Eze. You know we should be exploiting that sort of combination of players whilst we can, and it'd be a, and it'd be a shame to to fizzle out this season. But at the, at the at the same time, again, you sort of think, well, we know Roy's not going to stay beyond next season, so he's getting getting rid sounds horrible, but is making the change six months ahead of that. You know, is that, is that a sort of dick move? Is it, is it callous? Is it 
pulling the trigger too early, but you know, when you've only got someone on a on a year's contract, you know, is it is there such a thing as pulling the trigger too early, especially if there's a preferred candidate that's come forward, um, who we feel can maybe kick us on, improve us a bit this season, and who knows what happens the next. So I think you can make a case for it either way. I, I wouldn't want to see Roy necessarily get kicked out. Um, but that's for sentimental reasons. And we know that Steve Parrish, whilst being probably one of the most sentimental chairman out there, and he's very considered and you hear him talk about sacking managers and how he doesn't like doing it. And ultimately that's, that is within his sort of, that's within his arsenal and he's, and he's capable of doing it and he'll, and he will do it if he sees a, a, a way to improve us. So yeah, you can sort of make a, make a, a toss for it either way, really. Yeah, I think you've seen Heskiff. He Parish will make the he will pull the trigger when he seems sees it fit. And I think maybe I've just talked myself in with it with doing that piece of analysis. But there's clear, a clear pattern there where it's somewhere between that. If you drop below that seven points mark in your last ten games, you're in trouble, mm. and you've got basically one game to sort it. And if you if you don't at that point, then you're out. And <clears throat> He's drifting into that zone now. So, but he's also been known to pull a result out of his ass out of nowhere. We've gone to cities and one, we've gone to Man City and one under him. We've won multiple times at Old Trafford under him. Mm-hmm. Those sort of results he does have up his sleeve. But it looks like, given we're at West Ham, then we've got Liverpool, Man City, and Brighton in our next five games, he's going to have to pull one of those results out of his ass somewhere to keep himself alive. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Very good bit of analysis. I will start off by saying I enjoyed that, Terence. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, and it's it's tough because, you know, sometimes you say oh, better the devil you know than the one you don't. And we've known what Roy's capable of because he obviously had a, a longer spell before. And he is capable of getting results, like you said, at Man City and Old Trafford and beating the, the bigger teams. And there's always a risk of bringing someone in that you think is going to be better and it doesn't work out. And like Albert said, Roy's thing is like, it'll keep you up. But without getting into a big thing about whether we're stagnating or whether we should be aiming for Europe or whatever, you know, some of the names that are mentioned are not super exciting, but then they might come in and do a great job. So Lopetegui, I don't know that Wolves fans particularly liked him. I don't think they hated him necessarily. Steve Cooper, I'm not over the moon about, but he's obviously done pretty well at Forest. Um, And it is going to be the the weighing up for Parrish of staying up, which is obviously always going to be the number one thing, but then taking that risk and saying, do you go a bit different? We tried it with Vieira. It ultimately didn't work. Um, Do you go for a name that has nothing to do with the Premier League at the moment? which, you know, like a, I hate to say it, but like a Deserby, which could go really well, but again, could also go really badly. And, you know, I'm not Parrish's biggest fan, but I do genuinely think that he does things for the good of the club. And whether I agree with them or not, he he sort of always sticks by that. And I think it may be that his hand is forced. Like you said, we've got some really tough games coming up. And with the defence turning into what it's turned into the last few games. We don't score enough goals for that to not be a massive concern. And it 
I think Roy does need to pull something out, which is going to be tough without Ebbs and without Sheck because they're massive players for us. Um, so again, I don't really have an answer, but I think it's it's looking like we're teetering towards that position, especially with the, the games coming up. And I wouldn't be surprised if we mutually agreed to part ways, put it that way. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I I, I think whilst I whilst I'm not going to I say I mildly disagree with the Vieira didn't go trying to do something different with Vieira didn't work. I think it, I think it did work. It obviously ran out of steam for reasons that have been sort of touched upon in other in other forums and and, and certainly speculated on. And again, we're all, we all sit here in hindsight's twenty twenty and all the other cliches. And it's, it leads into another point. I think you know we could have we could have still necessarily. I know we I know we reverted back to Roy very quickly for the whatever it was the eleven games just to make sure that we were safe. But I, you know I do think that there was perhaps sticking with Roy is could be argued that it was too much of a backtrack. You know to the pre Vieira sort of status quo. You know I think Vieira had brought in a a certain amount of and style of player that I mean look Roy Roy Adam obviously flying for those 11 games and and you know I, I say I was a full advocate of giving Roy another year because that I enjoyed those last 11 games as as much as anybody else and but I do you know I do think that there was there was an opportunity to capitalize on um what what Vieira had laid the basis down for with with that squad bringing the age down bringing a slightly more attacking football's playing sort of style to to our our first eleven, um, and obviously we've we've gone back to Roy, and, and and we are where we are. I think the 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 more troubling thing for me, and we've spoken about the defence and the style of goals that we're conceding. The the slightly more troubling thing for me, um, and again, it ties back into those eleven games that Roy came in to sort of take over. Roy really seemed to be enjoying himself for those 11 games and you could tell he was really sort of liberated and smiling and had the team free flowing and, you know, and we were, we were great to watch this season. Obviously, you know, it's a slightly longer term affair than just an 11 game. Look, just go and have fun and make sure we don't go down. But, you know, some of the comments that Roy's come out with about the young players and criticizing some of the fan base rightly or wrongly for wanting to go to the next level, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like the same Roy as the last ten games of last season. So, I think that's 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 the thing that makes me worry more, and that's the thing that um, it worries me more, and it sort of irks me a little bit. You know, I, I like I say, I don't think we're any I don't think we're any real danger of going down, but to to hear mildly negative, passive passive aggressive comments to that end of, well, the fans should be grateful, the young players aren't any good, all that sort of stuff. That's the bit that upsets me. And that's the bit that makes me start to think maybe we're not going to get to the end of the season or we shouldn't get to the end of the season with, with Roy in charge if there is an alternative that Parish and co feel can sort of kick us on a bit sooner. Mm. Yeah, I <clears throat> I think... I, I agree, Dan. I, I, he did. It's chalk and cheese. The last eleven games to now, like he was enjoying himself last year. Completely agree. And he's a lot more miserable this year. He's reverted to type of being a bit more pragmatic and just trying to get through a thirty-eight game season. 
However, of all seasons that we've been up in the Premier League, of all the seasons we've been up, this is the one to have a go because of the teams you've got who are going to be at the bottom and going to be struggling. We watch Luton weekend, that shit, they're going to go down. Sheffield United are going down. Burnley are going down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this is the season where take the risk. Just forget about trying to keep clean sheets and trying to keep games tight, whatever. We've got Eze, we've got Elise. Just let him go, let him go at people, let him go at teams. Give it a go. Have a go at it. And so I think if you're gonna make a change, you can do it any sort of any time now, between now and Christmas, now and you know, whatever, maybe to be fair, I'd quite like to get someone in and settled if we're gonna change by the FA Cup third round because I'd good draw willing, I'd quite like to have a run in the cup again because, you know, what else have we got to fucking aim for in that sense. So I would say that this season is the season to exploit those players. And then that's the you know, then can you because we've finished further up the league, can you talk them into staying for another season and then we have a proper push with it with whoever comes in. But I don't know. It's definitely a dilemma which I think Parish and the Parish and Co are gonna to have to deal with because, you know in as I say in five games time I reckon the the points tally is going to look pretty dire, and if you're losing to teams, I mean, I, I, I think let's face it, if he loses the next two, he'll go because you can't you can't lose to Luton and Bournemouth, and then also throw in that we didn't beat Forest at home, we didn't beat who else Fulham, Fulham at home, all this other shit we've had at home, so yeah. But if he doesn't win Bournemouth, which he probably will, but if he doesn't win against Bournemouth, he's gonna. I, I think he'll go. Um, and then after, yeah, but you, see, you know, we, we've we've sat here for the last two games and gone. You know, it's the oh, this is Roy's bread and butter. You know, almost mm. the exact exact phrasing that we throw around, and it, and he and he hasn't. Um, and he like you like you say, you're quite right to bring up Fulham. You're quite right to bring up Forest. You know, all right. I know we had terrible, terrible luck with injuries in that Forest game and we on reflection we were lucky to come away with a point and I think we were all quite glad of it but the results are the results and those type of results have definitely got to improve because we can't sit here and go oh, well, we'll probably we'll probably go to City and turn them over in, a, in our in, in some sort of miracle sort of performance you know even United is great great performance but Sam Johnston made several good saves in that game and and, and we're, we're definitely a team that, again, we could have been 2 3 nil up against um, Luton at the weekend and we weren't and then we sort of run out of ideas and, and they get the win behind them and we find ourselves on the end of a 2-1. You know, we're, we're a team that's very fragile in the margins um, mm. and we've, we've got to be a bit more proactive. Mm. Yep, tough one. That's why we don't take, was it the biggest bonus in the Premier League for a CEO to make no decisions? <laughs> I'm, I'm not having a stab at him. No, just, I'm joking. He floods it all back into the club anyway, right? So, <clears throat> so yeah, though, tough decisions definitely to be made over the next few weeks and we'll, so we'll see how it turns out and we'll you know, have a chat about it on here at some point, I imagine. <laughs> West Ham's up next and... 
it is without Eze and without Decore. Decore pretty much for the rest of the season, it looks like, and Eze for the festive period at least. Who plays Heskiff? Who, I mean, there's opportunity, right? So there's, you know, there's a certain man we paid over 20 million quid for. Mm-hmm. On the <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you who I can tell you, I can tell you who's going to play. Jeffrey Schlupp. <laughs> and Will Hughes. Um, and Will Hughes. To be, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think Hughes will come in. I think IU will start because he was on the bench when he against Luton. But <clears throat> if ever there was a time for players like Hamada and Franca to get game time, it's like nice. if they can't get if they can't get game time now, they ain't getting no game time under Roy. Mm. And I know that he's come out in the press recently and bigged them both up. And I, I, I do think that is post finger wagging after he was a bit negative about Franca and and Jez. And you know he's been bringing on he's been bringing on a Hamada for, for for a few games, but here and there, and I just think you know, with the games coming thick and fast, I think we've got like seven games in twenty something games in twenty something days. You've got to rotate that team. We have enough injuries at the best of times, <laughs> so you've got to start rotating. And if you're only giving them fifteen twenty minutes here and there, you know you, you're not going to get nothing out of them. So. I'd like to see Francis starting, just to see. I mean, we went through all of this with Max Meyer, and he turned out to be <laughs> bag average. But, but that, but like jokes aside, if you don't play them and you don't start them in the Premier League, you're not going to know. And then, you know, by the time it comes that we have to play them because we got half our squad injured, then they'll have had a total of ninety minutes over after the season, and you're sort of just dumping them in. So, I think we know what he's going to do against West Ham and against Bournemouth, providing there's no more injuries. But I really would like to see one or both of them get get a start just to, just to see what they can do. Albert, alternative view. We haven't seen it for a while. Edouard and Mateta haven't played together for quite some time now. And they have made it happen somehow earlier on in the season. Um, is there a chance we're going to see that pairing up top again? I don't think we'll see it at West Ham. Um, I think there's a chance, yeah, there's a chance you might see it in the following home game. I don't know. It, I feel like, I think Dakura, I mean, Dakura is important, whatever whatever formation we play, but I'd feel if we were going to do a, a version of a 4-4-2, I think, you know, we, we we'd be relying on Dakure to be in the middle of the pitch because he does he does the job of free players as it is. Um, so to, to to go into that shape with with no Dakure, I think that might be uh, particularly away from home. I think that might be a bit too much of a gamble. As much as Roy likes a roll of the dice, as we know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I do. <sighs> I'm not going to lay into Lerma because I don't. I, I feel like he's still doing a decent enough job, but um, I want to see more of the Lerma that we saw in the first three, four games of the season, where he was mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, and maybe this is his opportunity now to show he's worth a bit more. Maybe the Corre being in there stunted him a little bit, and maybe this is where he'll step up a bit more and show more like he did in those opening games. We'll see. Um, 
thought he did a great, he actually did a good job when he went to centre back, but sort of like a centre back with freedom to roam as Anderson went into midfield late on in that Luton game trying to get an equaliser. It was very, very expansive. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's there's options. There's a few things that, a few different things that you can do. I I can, I, it will be Hughes and Schlupp in, in the first case, obviously. And we'll see. Well, not, it's not even Schlupp in, is it? <laughs> Schlupp plays. Schlupp, Schlupp still in, I think, is <laughs> yeah, the correct exactly. term. But it was just, at the, yeah, we'll see We'll see how it goes and see what he, what he puts out there for West Ham. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough December, that's for sure. It's not going to be full of festive spirit on the pitch. That's that's a certainty, I think. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we end up when we hit the year twenty twenty four. So that's going to be it for this week. Um, Heskiv, it was great to have you back, Albert. Thanks. Ever present, winging Thank it, stalwart. <laughs> thanks Mr. Consistent they call me indeed Um, thanks to everyone for listening Um, all the socials at winging it CPFC if you want to get in contact with the show at all and um, yeah until next week up the palace